the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. The DSH, Lee Walker. The Al Dorable One, Alex Top and former WWE writer, Rob Hockman. You're listening to Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. I am Lee Walker, your host for this evening, as former WWE writer Rob Hockman is back on his way to Florida after he just came up to the state of New York as myself and Rob, representing Perched on the Top Rope, were part of a convention called Showcase of Legends 5, based out of Albany, New York, and we brought a couple of guests with us. We had the rare appearance, has not been seen since 2019 the ultimo dragon uh he was with his manager that we also brought in former wcw uh manager sonny ono so if you would like we have prince eight by tens uh for thirty dollars signed by both sonny ono and ultimo dragon we also have 11 by 14s of just ultimo dragon those are forty dollars and we do ship worldwide by the way uh, if you need to want any of those, shoot us a message on Facebook, Perched on the Top Rope. Also, while we had Sonny Ono and Ultimo Dragon, next week, exclusive to the podcast, which you can find anywhere, we will have an exclusive interview with Ultimo Dragon and Sonny Ono. Now, I say exclusive because... When you go to the dirt sheets, there's no interviews of Sonny Ono. You go to YouTube, there's literally no interviews of Sonny Ono, Ultimo Dragon. Uh, there's a couple of Sonny Ono, actually, because we did one with Sonny Ono not too long ago. If you check that out, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. Make sure you hit that bell notification. And I am the man too cute for TV, the adorable one, Alex Todd. You know, I regretfully wasn't able to make this trip to see Sonny and Ultimo. Always a pleasure to have Sonny on the show. However, I will be with you guys next month when we have the inspiration, the new Knockouts Tag Team Champions at the big event on November 13th and Showcase of Legend 6 on November 14th. Can't wait. Absolutely. It's going to be a great time. And if you know the big event that's based out of New York City, and as we said, we were at Showcase 5, which is based out of Albany and showcase six is based out of Albany as well. It's going to be a great time as we will have, as Al said, the knockouts tag team champions, the inspiration. We will also have an interview with them as well. You can also anywhere our podcast is found, whether it's Apple stitcher, red circle, Podbean. We already have done the impact press pass with the inspiration. You can go back to that prior episode and check out their comments. You can also check out other prior comments and interviews with the good brothers from the press pass 
Josh Alexander from the Press Pass. And we also had an exclusive interview with Moose that we're actually going to talk about in a little bit after we get done with the Blown for Glory results. But make sure you go back to those prior episodes and listen to their comments, especially the Moose interview. And we'll tell you why in a little bit. But first, we have some WWE-related stuff we'd like to talk about. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Uh, Tempers getting a little heated on Friday Night SmackDown this past week, wouldn't you say, Lee? You know, um, it's not uncommon for a wrestler to go into business for themselves, as it's known in the business. Uh, by that, you know, when you go into business for yourself, whatever was written on paper goes out the window and you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we saw here. Uh, we know that the way the titles were supposed to be exchanged was just a handoff. Kind of like if you remember how we saw the tag team champions, the New Day and the Street Profits. Absolutely. supposed to hand them over. Charlotte did not like the idea from what's going around uh, the internet. Really no surprise, to be honest with you. Uh, Charlotte has been really, really good on the mic lately. I mean, she's phenomenal in the ring, but this sort of thing kind of took me back a little bit. So as we go through this, um, you're going to hear the audio play through after I'm done talking about it. So you, you can get the idea. Charlotte was supposed to let Becky take the belt out of her hand, almost like ripping it away. Instead, when Becky went to go for it, Charlotte like threw the belt. Prior to that, when before she did it, you could see a big grin on her face. Mm-hmm. And then when she threw it and, and Sonya had to tell her to pick it up, pick it up, blah, blah, blah. She finally picks it up and then, you know, Sonya, Sonya gets the belt. But Becky at this point has a big grin on her face and was trying to get the belt from Sonya. Now, Sonya wouldn't hand the belt over until Becky handed the SmackDown title over. So instead, Becky threw it at Charlotte. And Charlotte kind of caught it, but then just kind of let it fell at the same time. You know, and it hit the ground, and then she picked it up, raised it above her head. And you could see that Becky had a a grin on her face. And Charlotte goes, you want to call yourself Becky Two Belts? Why don't we put both titles on the line tonight? Now, the reason why she called her Becky two belts was because part of in the original promo, the way it was done was when she took when Becky took the belt. She was supposed to end up not giving her SmackDown championship back at the time, but refer to herself again as Becky two belts. That's what's going on the Internet. And that's 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 presuming the Internet's right. And a lot of this came from like Fightful, which Sean Ross Sapp is amazing. Let's not fool ourselves here. He's very in tune and informative in the, in the professional wrestling world. Um, Becky was about to say something and you know, it was going to be off, off script and you could see it in her face. She had that, that big shit grin, as I refer to it as, as we've talked off air, Al, Mm -hmm. she had that big shit grin on her face and she was just about ready to say something. And obviously a producer in the back knew this was not going right. And something was going to be said that was bad. Because uh, Sasha Banks' music hit right away. Right. And Sasha comes down. In my opinion, whatever was said between Charlotte and Sasha 
was like 50 50 a shoot 50 50 what what was on paper type deal you know what i mean right because it felt really personal towards sasha too it almost felt like it also came out of nowhere too like sasha being part of that segment wasn't originally supposed to happen and that they like you had said they kind of sent her out to basically de-escalate the situation that was going on between becky and charlotte and then it kind of seemed like they just kind of had to come up with shit like on the fly yeah and after becky left the ring said well i don't need to be here walks out and from what is being passed around on the internet is things got heated between charlotte and becky in the back nothing came to blows becky was supposed to work a dark match which she went out and did and that's when apparently wwe asked charlotte to leave the building yeah uh according to what's online she was actually escorted out of the building by security you know um and we've talked about this on prior shows we in fully believe that the relationship with charlotte and wwe is strained and rob has even gone as far as saying he expects charlotte to go to AEW. He expects Rick to go to AEW because Andrade is there and he's expecting some sort of La Famille family sort of angle with the three of them. Whether or not that happens, time will tell. But this segment came off painfully awkward to me. How would you think about it, Al? Um, Watching it, I feel like you can definitely tell that something went on. Um, it's, It's been noted that supposedly charlotte's comments after the segment were that the original title drop that was done by her of the raw women's championship when becky wanted to reach for it was quote unquote an accident but if you watch the video back you can clearly see that she pulls it like out of the way becky reaches for it and then she just drops it so it doesn't to me look like that was an accident um but supposedly that the the reason Becky threw the other title belt back at her was out of anger. Um, you know, basically trying to almost get her back. Um, because she thought that Charlotte went out of her way to make her look bad and make her look weak during that title swap because she wasn't a fan of it. And it's a shame that, uh, this is, if this is to be believed, it's a shame that this is going this way because outside of the ring, Charlotte and Becky are in fact best friends. And it's a shame to see the business doing that to two people. But clearly, as we've said before, the relationship between WWE and Charlotte almost seems like it's deteriorating in front of our eyes. seems like it started with their mistreatment of Andrade. Um, It didn't get any better when Rick decided to leave. And Charlotte, over the past year or so, has also been pretty vocal about her creative with WWE. It seems as though, yes, she is one of the most successful women's, if not the most successful women's wrestler in the history of that company, but you should also at that point be able to come up with continually good creative for her. You know, uh, they, they didn't uh, use John Cena, for example, they never really ran out of things for him to do, no matter how successful he was. Charlotte Flair is the equivalent to John Cena in my eyes of women's wrestling. So why are they not able to come up with as many storylines as they were able to for John? Because the focus isn't women's wrestling. That's all I got, to be honest with you. Um, I've been very vocal myself about 
uh, the women's evolution that they had. And now like women's wrestling is back to where it was like, it needs a resurgence again, almost within WWE, you know, other companies are flourishing with their women's division. Meanwhile, that past Friday on SmackDown, you had a two hour show in barely 16 minutes total of wrestling. Like that's kind of bad in my opinion, but back to, back to what we were talking about with Charlotte and Becky, uh, Charlotte made it known that with the, the Becky spot, when Becky grabbed the belt and calls herself Becky two belts again, Charlotte felt that that made her look weak. So neither one of them wanted to make, you know, look weak. Mm-hmm. So realistically, Charlotte went into business for herself because like you said, when she put that arm out, if you put it straight out, it's fine. Like she can grab the belt. No problem. But she put it out sideways. Yeah. Charlotte, like instead like, of putting it out in front of her, she puts it out sideways with Becky's right in front of her. Yeah. And she angled it too. Like she mm-hmm. pulled it back further than like, Oh yeah. When she went to reach for it. Yeah. And then she tossed it basically, you know, which is a shame that that's, that's how this whole thing went down. I mean, they were able to salvage it, but no one's talking about what happened after Sasha hit the ring really besides that little spot that I had found because after I think they started fighting or something, but the, the main thing was, was this, and, you know, speaking of Andrade, uh, I believe he watched it because later he tweeted F-U-W-W-E, which I believe is correlation and a, a, a direct thing related to this this segment, to be well, honest with you. Well, you know that Andrade knows what happened, or at least Charlotte's side of what happened, because obviously, A, they are, in fact, dating, I believe, even engaged, and, and B... The other thing that we didn't talk about is that it was also noted that when Charlotte was escorted from the arena, she immediately went to where the AEW tapings were being taken place to see Andrade. Yeah, so she probably went there and just said they wanted to make me look weak and Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte's already talking to Tony Khan. Obviously, I was going to say, obviously, nobody can say whether they are are, or are not out loud because contract tampering is a thing. But as long as nothing is said, it wouldn't surprise me if they've already had words. And, you know, speaking of AEW, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross recently, like, put on social media on his Twitter account and Instagram that he has skin cancer. Uh, he's talked to the doctors and everything and he's going to be doing radiation. So we here at perched on the top rope would like to wish Jim Ross nothing but well wishes and best of luck. My mom's a two time cancer survivor. I say it like, like it's a championship belt, but she survived twice and we wish you nothing but the best Jim. Well, and Jim, from the posting that he put up, too, seems pretty optimistic about it. And it also looked like from the picture that was shown, it looks like it's literally a small portion. So uh, from what I'm gathering so far, it looks like it's something that is easily going to be able to be taken care of that shouldn't affect him too much. Yeah. you know. So uh, if, if there's one silver lining, it's that. Yeah. And, you know, skin cancer is like one of those things, you know, Bret Hart has had it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and there's other wrestlers that have have had it as well but uh it's one of those it, it is i don't want to say cancer is an easy thing to survive cancer is cancer no matter how you look at it right but um it is one of those kind of lesser of evils to have the downfall is it's kind of like leukemia it can come back at like any time and come back multiple times type deal unfortunately yeah but jim we wish you nothing but the best and thank you for those kind words when it comes to the curtis hughes autobiography for fans who don't know i am the ghostwriter for that book and on uh grilling with jr he talked about the book on one of his latest episodes. So Jim, I Ooh, thank you for that. What a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he said a lot of nice things about Curtis and um, they had worked together a lot from WCW, WWF. So it was, it was really nice to, to hear someone talk nicely about that. Well, Al, we've hit WWE, AEW. How about we talk about something real quick with MLW? I'll, I'll let the news out that MLW has a new signee to the company. It's not a one-off. It's been uh, speculated that it will not be a one-off. But Enzo has signed with MLW. I personally think that this is a good thing for Enzo. I recently just saw him at 2CW where he told a story about Brody Lee. For fans who don't know, 2CW is actually one of the, the places where Brody Lee was a frequent at. He came out and, and told this story when, you know, he was Enzo was first on the main roster. Like the first match that they had was against the Wyatt family. And Enzo, I believe, even admitted that he was like still green with this and that a lot of people didn't want to work with somebody new in the business even though you know coming up through nxt and everything uh, he said you know that brody is part of the wyatt family as luke harper you know really gave him that chance and that opportunity in that first match and at first fans were heckling enzo it's it's a common thing to do but then after they were cheering for him and chanting to cw it was really cool and then prior to that I had seen him in Poughkeepsie, New York, like a month or two before that, having a casket match against Jerry Lawler. Those two on the mic were phenomenal. It was it was incredible. Uh, just the stuff that they were saying, like Enzo referred to himself as a guy who has never been given a second chance. And, and like Lawler comes out. And says it's hard to give someone a second chance who doesn't shut the hell up ever. Doesn't know proper locker room etiquette. Ooh, that's true. Uh, to which Enzo like shot back about the casket match and, you know, saying this isn't a match where there's a two count, but Jerry Lawler knows enough about kicking out twice and living, referring to the heart attack that he had on air on Monday Night Raw. Um, and they just, they, they were, it was great. They told a phenomenal story through, through speech and then they had the match and, and Enzo ended up in the casket, but it was, it was awesome. Um, what do you, how do you feel about Enzo being signed? Because now he's going to be back on TV. You know, we're going to see him on vice TV. We're going to see him on the MLW 
YouTube show that I still believe that they're doing that, but I believe it's now set up like impact, like a paid subscription type deal. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty cool. I'm I'm personally glad to see uh, Enzo back in the wrestling community. I would say, uh, you know, he had a couple bad years with what was going on, but to our knowledge, and if we are wrong, we are wrong in the future. But to our knowledge, he has been cleared of the allegations that were made back in the day, and therefore, I believe that if the law states that he was cleared, and in fact he did no wrong, then he does deserve. To have a place back in the pro wrestling community and i think a good place for him to start is mlw i think that's a place where he can work his name back up you know he could possibly slowly move on from a company to another company and i really think this could be the start of something good for him and speaking of that match with jerry lawler and enzo if you go to our youtube page we do have coverage of that very match the entire thing by the way the, the entire thing including before the match, the promos they cut on each other, they were straight fire. It was amazing. I love guys who can talk on the mic, and Enzo is one of those those wrestlers. Now, he was at Showcase of Legends, Al, and I did get to speak to him. Um, I have to contact MLW's media relations mm-hmm. to get the interview with Enzo, but he agreed he would come on the show because he said, yeah, I probably should promote me with MLW a little bit. If you, they say, yeah, let's do it. And then he gave me an email and go from there. So hopefully we'll have an exclusive interview with Enzo soon. But we do have other interviews coming up. Bill, you want to hear about them? I would love to hear about them. Granted, I already know because I'm the one that edits them. But, you know, <laughs> tell, me, tell me anyway. So, so this coming week, uh, we're putting out Neil Perrett. Fans, if you don't know who that is. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. He was also a producer in WCW. Um, And we also have Dr. Tom Pritchard, who Dr. Tom has his own podcast, which is also in uh, the Chartable Top 250 Wrestling Podcasts, along with us. We are currently 92 in America. Thank you for all our listeners. We'd also like to thank Canada for getting us on their Chartable Top 250. And we would also like to thank the UK for getting us in their chartable top 250 in Ireland. We see you. I've been to Dublin, beautiful country. Thank you all for tuning in. Absolutely. Uh, You know, we, we can't do this without you guys, everybody from around the world that listens to the show, but specifically, like we were saying, the people in the U S the people in the UK, the sudden emergence of popularity of this show in Ireland, which I have no idea where that came from, but we, we absolutely thank you. Um, But yeah, no, we've got a lot of good content coming out. You'll see the final full edited uh, video of Neil Pruitt. Unfortunately, it didn't make it out last week because Rob and Lee had such a long conversation with Neil that, the interview was so long that it's just taking forever to upload. So, you know, we'll get yeah. it out there. It's just, you know, they, uh, Neil had so much information to give all of us. And it was, it was such a great listen. I may not have been part of it, but I, I listened to these. I listened to these shows when, when I'm editing them for you guys. And there's so much information. This really is one you guys don't want to miss. It gives you a lot of insights as to what was going on in the back of, you know, the back of WCW and, production wise um rumors wise drama wise neil knows a lot he's a very informative man and it's just it's a show you really want to listen to 
and not only for, for the aspect of everything that Neil shares with us, but there's a, a great conversation between WC, former WCW producer Neil Perrett and former WWE writer Rob Hockman, mm-hmm. uh, primarily because the two were in two different companies. They were ran different and everything was produced different. You guys get to hear that as well within the interview. But we also have some other interviews coming up, Al. As I, as I stated, we have Neil uh, Perrett from WCW, Dr. Tom Pritchard. We also have coming up, and I'm excited for these because I set these all up while at Showcase of Legends. Dirty Dango, formerly known as Fandango in WWE. We did speak with Kevin Nash, and we do have Kevin Nash on his terms. I, Rob is going to set that interview up for us. Mm-hmm. As I said this week, we also have the interview with Ultimo Dragon and Sonny Ono. We have a rare interview with Man Mountain Rock. Some of you fans might not remember who he was. He was also known as Max Payne in, in, in wrestling. He played the guitar. And when he got to WWF, he went by Man Mountain Rock. He did the national anthem. He did the national anthem for... WrestleMania, and I believe it was the WrestleMania with Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow match, which was which is pretty cool. Uh, we, I also talked to Brian Clark again, who's been on the show. If you go to uh, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope, and we're going to put that interview out on podcast as well for you fans all to enjoy. Wow, hold on. I got I to gotta take a breather in there for a second. Uh, oh. One of my personal favorites, and I will share this story from Showcase of Legends 5, uh, Jacques Rougeau from the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers, and you also might remember him as the Mountie, is coming on Perched on the Top Rope. So how this interview happened was I had gone up to his table to get some stuff signed. I had like seven of his Hasbros to get signed. I made a deal with the promoter. I gave the promoter one, and he would get all I, and it would do all my Hasbros to get signed. So I didn't have to spend any cash, which I was like, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. And he later auctioned it off. Thank you. Captain's corners. Um, so I was talking to Jacques and he said, how much do you want for one of those? And I like scratched my head and didn't really think about it. I go, are you buying it for yourself? And he was like, yeah, I don't have one. And I'm like, you don't have one of your own figures keep it it was the first one i put on the table for him to sign i just go keep it and he looks at me and he goes really i go yeah keep it you're fine thank me profusely and everything and that's literally how we set up the interview that's awesome. i i gave him one of his own action figures which in the hasbro world is actually kind of hard to find on the card you know, it's from 1992, 1993, you know, it's, it's old now at this point. It's, you know, so that's how that happened. Uh, So we have a lot of great content fans coming out. Make sure you go to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. Listen on anywhere podcasts are found, Apple, Stitcher, Red Circle. We're all over the place. Google, we're on them. We're on everything. I love these shameless plugs. I'm not going to lie. 
Oh yeah, no, they're the best. But it um, it's like trying to fill the void of not having sponsors. Anyone out there listening, we're looking. Hint, hint, <laughs> wink, wink. And speaking of our YouTube channel, Lee, we've been doing a lot of work with Impact in the past week. You've been on the Impact Press Pass a couple times. We have talked to the Good Brothers. We have talked to the Inspiration, and we have talked to now former World Champion Josh Alexander. We'll get to that in a minute. Speaking of Impact Wrestling, they had a huge weekend this past weekend, and why don't we talk about it a little bit? Yeah, they had Bound for Glory. Uh, it's their pay- biggest pay-per-view of the year. Uh, phenomenal pay-per-view. But, you know, as you, you were talking about those press passes with Impact, you know, that mm-hmm. go on their Facebook and everything. We also had an exclusive interview with Moose. Uh, and in this interview, it was, it was, it was a great interview, but I want to break down the bound for glory uh pay-per-view because there was some uh not only records broken but history made as well so they had a new championship made uh the impact digital media championship which i think is a really cool championship um in that it was an intergender match as well oh you had jordan grace chelsea green crazy steve fala blah uh john schuyler and madison rain in this intergender, you know, one pinfall takes all match. It was on the, on the pre-show and we have a new champion. She's the first. I said, she, that's right. Jordan Grace is the new and first impact digital media champion. I think this is awesome. Um, I know some people are indifferent about intergender wrestling but you could tell in this match that they know how to work in impact knows how to work intergender matches. And this match really was able for, to showcase that for fans. And I kind of hope that for those naysayers, I hope they watch it and realize that, you know, intergender matches are possible and can be worked well. And this, this match was a prime example. Absolutely. It's it's kind of cool to see that a championship where a man could win, that he was not the first one to be crowned as champion. It, it was nice to see that a woman for an intergender championship, a woman was the first champion. Uh, I've gotta I've gotta think that Matt Cardona helped inspire impact for this championship. With it being the digital media championship, the first thing that came to my mind was Matt Cardona's internet championship from when he was Zack Ryder in WWE. So I almost feel like it's got to be one or two people. It's Or like even like it, it could be like uh, a, a grouping of Matt Cardona and possibly even Josh Matthews coming up with the idea because I know Josh Matthews is very internet savvy involved in everything too, but I don't know. Matt, Matt Cardona's fingerprints are all over this championship. I feel like. Well, yeah. And he actually, you know, just recently went through the the loss of losing the internet championship to Effie at GCW, mm-hmm. but you know, he won it back at the, the last event that they had had. So that's, that's, that's cool, but it took him out of the main event of Moxley and Nick Gage, but that's, that's for another episode. Um, so now we have the start of Bound for Glory. And Al, for us, the, the start of this pay-per-view was... This is the main event for us. It was inspirational as the inspiration took on Decay. Now we know that 
this was for the knockouts tag team championship and we have and new knockouts tag team champions the inspiration the 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 singer of their new theme music oh, i love it did their did their music um she lip sync it some fans were upset by that it doesn't bother me if if it's lip synced i don't doesn't bother me at all like that's a a song that's got like auto tune in it and stuff like that so i mean it i was fine it didn't bother me that she lip synced uh seeing the inspiration come out cassie lee jesse mckay it was it was really cool to see them back especially in front of a sold out crowd might i add sold out crowd for bound for glory um i like the team of decay too though so i mean it was you know it was a toss-up but i mean we are bringing in the inspiration to the big event November 13th and Showcase of Legends 6 in Albany, New York, November 14th. Uh, you can go to eventbrite.com, just type in the inspiration, and both links will come up. If you want to do a mail order, you can actually purchase the 8x10s through there as well. So go pick yourself up an autograph from Perched on the Top Rope with Inspiration. Shameless plug. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> so um this was a great match uh good back and forth real good classic tag team wrestling uh although it was rather hard for me to see a change from the iconics to the inspiration when they came out they did the same moniker when you know just different music you know peyton royce did her you know with the hand up like looking up at the air and then they both went into the ring the same way as they did in WWE. But then you could even hear them talking in the middle of the match, not, you know, like talking trash type deal. And they kind of came off heelish. But but from my understanding is I thought they were going to be um, babyface because you have the inspiration, but then you have Tennille Dashwood and Madison Rain, who are known as the influence and they sound, you know, the names sound alike. You, you, when you hear the names and you think of what the definition are for inspiration and influence, they're, they're also very similar. So someone's got to play face, someone's got to be heel. And I, I assumed inspiration's face, but they did a lot of the same iconic things that were done previously. Well, I feel like you're going to get that sometimes. Sometimes even if a team is a baby face, if they're known as being heels, like for most of their career, you still see that little bit of tendencies left over. Um, you know, a good, a good example would be CM Punk. Obviously he's a baby face with the crowd in AEW, but there's little tendencies that you see during his match. Like even some of his facial features that remind you of a lot of the time that he did as a heel. So sometimes you're still going to run into that even as baby faces. Cause you know, that's what they've known their whole career. But um and as far as them doing the same thing, we'll have to see how that plays out because that's not always a bad thing either. Um, sometimes, you know, the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Some people move on to another company and they do the same thing and it still works for them. Kurt Angle at Impact Wrestling is a good, um, good example. He didn't really change too much of who he was between going from WWE to TNA. Yes, he had some, he had some better matches where he was allowed to do more high-flying stuff, but as a character... 
he was still the Olympic gold medalist. He didn't really change much of what he did because it worked. Now, obviously, no offense to the girls at all, but obviously Kurt Angle is a Hall of Famer in two different companies. But like I said, if, if it doesn't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So their, their act seems to still be over with the Impact Wrestling crowd. So at this point, I wouldn't change it if it's not broken. I mean, I don't know how they would take any disrespect towards that, just saying Kurt's a Hall of Famer. But right. And also, <laughs> right. And also in their in your interview that you did with them, too, they've also said that they've taken uh, or maybe it was with one of the other people, the Impact Press Pass. But they've even said uh, during the Impact Press Pass that they've taken a lot of inspiration in their career from Kurt Angle. So I, you know, I don't think they would be upset, but yeah, no, um, similar to that though, if the character, if their characters work the same as they did in WWE in impact wrestling, I'd say don't change it. Well, they are the new knockout tag team champions. And we're going to see those. We're going to see those title belts on November 13th and 14th, baby. Yeah. Be ready to, uh, Get your photo ops with the Knockouts Tag Team Champions. Uh, we move on now for the X Division Championship as we know that Josh Alexander went with the option of dropping the championship in order to face Christian Cage for the Impact World Championship. Option C, baby. Option C, you got to love it. So uh, they do the tournament. And we end up with the uh, final three of Trey Miguel, El Fantasmo, and Steve Macklin. Dude, match of the night by far. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't. This was I, this is one of the best matches I've seen in a long time. Any one of them could have won, would have been happy. It mm-hmm. it could have been anybody because I mean, all three of them did a phenomenal job. Everyone that was part of the tournament did a phenomenal job in their matches. Um, Trey Miguel is your new X division champion. I, for one, like I said, I, it didn't bother me who won. Mm -hmm. I would, I would have been excited for any of the three to win because they all went out there and they poured it on the line and it showed it, it really showed. I mean, they, that you said match of the night and I, don't want to agree, but I'm agreeing. It was, we, especially since it's so early on the card. But right, but man. um, I I like what Impact Wrestling is doing with the X Division. It's been clear in the past, I'd say in the past year, that they have been really working on rebuilding the X Division because obviously that's what put Impact Wrestling on the map to begin with. Because the idea of the X Division has always been that you get these guys over, allowing them to do their thing in that division. And that is what grooms those guys for the main event. You saw it with guys like AJ Styles. You saw it with guys like Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, even if you know he didn't hold the world title. like A lot of these, those guys didn't hold the world title after the X Division title, but they made it to the main event. You saw it in guys like Chris Saban. You saw it in guys like Eric Young. You saw it in all sorts of different X division wrestlers. And I like that they're doing the same thing now they're doing it. They did it with Josh Alexander there. You can tell that this is being, this is a move set to propel Trey Miguel into the main event. He's had a couple tastes of it before, but I think this is the beginning of like his, his actual 
big push. You know, this is going to be the beginning of the slow burn that leads to one day Trey Miguel becoming world champion. I got to agree. I, there, you, I mean, that was perfectly said. There's, there's nothing else to go with that. Right. Um, our next match is Violent by Design, taking on Heath Slater and a mystery opponent for Violent by Design. It was Diener and Joe Doring uh, with Eric Young. Now, the match started because I believe it was Diener that attacked Heath from behind. And Heath's mystery partner had not come out yet. And a lot of people had speculated that it would be Rhino. But Rhino well, it was, it, was, it was supposed to be Rhino. So um, there was a segment with Heath Slater and Scott Demore when he finally got his contract with Impact Wrestling. And in that segment, Scott Demore had um, handed him the contract and he had said that he wanted a match with VBD at Bound for Glory and that basically he wanted Rhino to be his tag team partner or he was going it alone. Yeah, all right. I didn't. I, I missed that obviously, but I, I think they. Re, I think they. They actually replayed that on Bound for Glory. So, mm-hmm. um, I must not have been paying attention or something, or I was preoccupied because I was multitasking while watching it. That uh, happens. Um, so anyway, uh, he's going at it alone for a little bit. I mean, and Rhino was a big part of Violent by Design too. So that was like a big thing that they made a big deal about this match. Uh, Rhino finally comes down. I mean, he walked, he, you know, he didn't run to the ring or anything. Um, but he gets up to the, to the apron, gets his hand on the rope, puts his hand out and, and looks at Heath and just yells, tag me in. You know what happened after that. It was just, it was another good match, but Heath and Rhino end up winning. And it was, it was one of those feel good moments because after, you know, they hugged it out and everything and, good moment to see those two back together sticking through as a tag team after all we all know that Heath has kids so he does have kids and I've got to say I've got to guess with this victory over VBD that Heath and Rhino are soon going to be in line for a shot at the Good Brothers World Tag Team Championships well that's if the Good Brothers retain the, the tag team championships which we will find out in a little bit but next the another intergender match the 20 person call your shot gauntlet match this has always been a fun match to me uh so fans i'll explain it real quick uh two people start the match wrestlers come in through intervals the only way you lose is by being thrown over the top rope kind of like a a royal rumble However, at the end, the final two wrestlers go at it in a one-on-one match, which is a, a nice little plot twist into the match itself. Now, the wrestler wins a trophy, and the wrestler wins a contract for a championship match of their choosing. Throughout this whole thing, Moose and W. Morrissey formed an alliance. We were able to interview Moose as he talks about the alliance and and everything. You can find that on our YouTube perched on the top rope, and you can find it, uh, I believe it's episode 32, on our podcast, the whole interview. And we also included it in our Impact Press Pass highlights. 
So the interview is actually on there twice for podcasts. So you can, you can definitely hear it. Chris Sabin starts, and I, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who the second person was. I think it was, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't remember. I apologize. Um, Chris Sabin lasted a long time in this whole thing as, as men and women are coming in and out of the match, you know, getting thrown out. And the coolest surprise happened, which was the demon is one of the surprise people in the 20 person gauntlet. Now, when I say the demon, I'm referring to the kiss demon from WCW. It was pretty shocking to see him. It was pretty interesting and cool to see him. However, Al, I have a downfall to this and you want to hear it? I would. Do you remember the casino battle Royale for the women in AEW? Mm-hmm at all out where I really complained about the bunny. I complained about Anna Jay and I complained about Penelope Ford, how they were a lackluster and took away from that battle Royal because they were in that, in the, the bottom corner and they were literally just waiting for their spot of Ty Conti to come out, but they mm-hmm. didn't, they obviously didn't remember when she was coming out. So like when they were doing moves, it was like a lackluster. It didn't look right. And they were just barely doing anything. They were more just standing around. Mm-hmm. Fans, you're going to have to go back and watch this because that's exactly what the demon did. He literally just waited for his spot. Um, I don't know if it, what the issue was or why it went down the way it did. I don't want to speculate anything, to be honest with you. But you could tell he's never been in a battle Royal before. And if he has, and that's how he is, then I don't know what to say. He went into like the same corner that those three did in the casino battle Royal in AEW. He just kind of stood there. He just went corner to corner and stood there. If a wrestler got near him, he might've thrown a couple of what looked extremely weak kicks, but otherwise he just stood in the corner. And at one point, Laredo kid, hit him with a a shoulder thrust in the corner and the demon no sold it. And it got to a point where like no other wrestlers even went near him. He just, cause he was just standing there. It was, it was a lackluster. And that's what it reminded me of. It almost took away from the match a little bit for me, just like the girls did. Right. Which, you know, was a little annoying, but at the same time, it's hard to like watch the other stuff going on when you've got like the tallest guy in the ring, just standing in the corner, not doing anything. Yeah. Cause that's the person you're going to notice the most. Yeah. Just based on I, his size. Yeah. And that's what I noticed. So I think realistically, they just put him in way too early. If you were going to have him just do what he did, the wrestler who eliminated him should have come out after he did to eliminate him because right. like he was in there way too long for me. And the person who eliminated him was like Ace Austin. But Ace Austin didn't come out until like five, six, seven people after he did. So, I mean, there was some time in there while he was just standing around, you know, moving around. At one point, Matt Cardona, like, walked by him and was going to hit him and then just kept going by him. Like, <laughs> he was like I'm not even getting involved. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm not dealing with this. And, I mean, it had to have been frustrating for the other wrestlers to, to watch that or to notice that he was just standing there. 
Right. Because to me, it took away while he was in there, it took away from everything. Um, we, you know, numbers start dwindling down and Ace Austin eliminates him. Uh, we get down to Moose, W. Morrissey, Chris Saban, Matt Cardona. Saban's eliminated and Morrissey are eliminated at the same time by Moose. Morrissey went to eliminate Saban and Moose picked up Morrissey and they both went over. Mm-hmm. This brings it down to Moose and Cardona. Uh, great little uh, finale between the two of them. Uh, however, Moose has a spear unlike anybody that I've seen because like he does like a flip after he mm-hmm. hits you with it. It's incredible. It's very similar to how Bobby Lashley used to do when he was in Impact Wrestling. Yes. So uh, Moose ends up winning the Call Your Shot gauntlet match with the spear. Again, like I said, this is a spear that I, I absolutely love seeing his spear. Just the way he hits it and the way he lands because like he like does like a front flip when mm-hmm. like his shoulder connects. But he doesn't like hold on to you. He just hits you and then that's it. And it's awesome. So Moose wins and uh, we will hear about this later on in the night in the interview that we did with him on why that interview is so important. Now we go to the men's tag team match as we have from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Finn Juice. We also have the Bullet Club. And the good brothers now this is a match that like really heavily favors new japan pro wrestling oh yeah phenomenal match you know obviously i'm sporting my bullet club hoodie i i oh, been a fan for a long time but if you think about it this match also this match is basically a shout out to new japan altogether because you've got the Bullet Club, which is represented partially by Impact Wrestling, partially by New Japan. You've got the team of Finn Juice, which is represented by New Japan. You've got the Impact World Tag Team Champions of the Good Brothers, whose fame and notoriety came from New Japan. Yeah, because we know for Doc Gallows, it was definitely not Festus. No, no, it wasn't. This was another good match uh, in true Good Brothers fashion, though they literally steal the win from us having new tag team champions. They stole it. They stole, you know, um, I believe it was juice Robinson got hit by um, someone from the bullet clubs finishing move. I, I think it was off the top rope. And then Carl Anderson throws him out and pins uh, Robinson for the one, mm. two, three. And then they run out of the ring and the four competitors are left in the ring. Like, Oh man, what the hell? That was a downfall. Um, I would have loved to have seen new impact world champions, but when we did the press pass at the time with the good brothers, originally there was no match for them. So I had actually asked them um, to give their thoughts on the inspiration coming to impact and uh, asked them to do a prediction for the decay versus the inspiration match which you can listen to on our podcast mm-hmm. um i'm interested to see what happens next for the good brothers and i say that because they seem to be on AEW more than they are on impact to me you know, they have a great relationship with those guys over there, but that also draws concern to me if they'll ever 
jump ship to AEW because Impact could really use them and, and and I think use them in a better way that they're using them right now. But they're also trying to play off a little bit with the storylines that they're doing in AEW. I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool. It's great. They're they're you know they're doing good work. I'm I'm excited. You know, I can't wait to see what happens next, especially with the fallout of Finjuice losing and the Bullet Club. Like, I can't wait to see what happens between those two teams um, and see who's next for the Good Brothers, you know? It'll also be interesting to see if this ties into the Bullet Club versus the Elite feud that it seems to be slowly brewing. It could be something that happens in Impact. It could be literally a huge storyline that later on, you know, maybe after Kenny Omega drops the AEW World Championship, that might be something that we see that... Uh, it ends up being a story where it unfolds between three different companies between impact AEW and new Japan. So that'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I'm excited for, for that. I've always been a fan of the bullet club and I would love to see everything that they're doing. Cause you have a lot of former leaders over in AEW now, and you have a lot of the new guys of the bullet club. So it'd be, it'd be a really cool clash to see. Or they team up and take over all the professional wrestling. That'd be cool, too. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. As I said earlier, before I accidentally let the cat out of the bag of who won the World Tag Team title match, um, I've got to say that the Heath and Rhino match, uh, with them winning over Violent by Design, that they've got to be in line for a World Tag Team title match. I would hope so. I like Heath, and I like Rhino, and it's an odd pairing, but they've made it work. I mean, they made it work in WWE being the first smackdown tag team champion so they've made it work in impact i i enjoy watching them i really do absolutely um next we have the the women's knockout championship diana perrazzo taking on mickey james i'm a big fan of both women to be honest with you um perrazzo her whole thing has just been fantastic and she's done a really good job you know as champion and and mickey james you know we know she also part of the nwa she did that all women's event for the nwa you know as producer and being part of it she did she did phenomenal with that but we also have you know and now we you know she's also back in impact wrestling as well um which is great to see her in uh, being used properly as well, you know, you can pitch as many storylines to, to writers, but it's what the suits say, unfortunately. Um, Al, we have a new champion being Mickey James. This one, uh, this one kind of shocked me a little bit. This one shocked me too, because I, di- I, I honestly thought Peraza was going to win. I thought they were going to pull pull something with her losing or you know losing by DQ or um you know just not having a clean win where you know she cheats to win type deal. Instead, I, I mean I'm happy Mickey James is is your new champion, which is which is great. And it it was a good back and forth match. I mean, when, when Mickey hit at one point, Mickey hits this DDT on her and I was like, yeah, that, that hurt. Yeah. Uh, I've got to imagine with Mickey picking up the victory that this feud is about to become even more cross promotional than it already was. And I have a feeling 
that this feud is going to spill over into the National Wrestling Alliance. I mean, I think it'd be great because right now, like everyone talks about AEW with the Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about WWE. Is WWE ever going to open the Forbidden Door? Impact is the one with the Forbidden Door open. Mm-hmm. They're the they're wide open. I mean, they're at the got, they're at the center of it. You know, they had last night. They had guys not only from New Japan Pro Wrestling. They had stars from MLW. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's all you need right there. Is, I mean, there's two companies. I was going right to say, they've got, they've got Minoru Suzuki on the way to Impact. They've got Finn Juice. They've got the Bullet Club. They've got Mickey James from NWA. They've got talent coming in from all over the place. At a- AEW's Kristen Cage was on the card last night. I mean, he is the Impact champion. So, I mean, uh, to me, Impact is the one, realistically, with the forbidden door open. and. Also, to me, and I mean no disrespect to any wrestling company, I watch all wrestling. I think Impact has the best product right now. I really do. Absolutely. Their um, their their game compared to just years ago. Not to say that what they were doing was bad. Just the the progress that they've made in the past couple of years is unlike any other company's progress out there with, with the exception, I would say of AEW. And the only reason I say that is because they went from not even being a company to having the success they have. But if you're talking about a company that's already in place, the, the growth that they've made. And I would say basically since Don Callis and Scott Demore took over the growth they've had is unreal. Yeah, I mean Don Callis isn't part of Impact anymore, but now it's just Scott Demore again. But I mean they're you know what I meant though. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're doing like I said, they're doing great. And and the mere fact that you can get uh watch their their you know the impact show on YouTube and they have like all sorts of content for 99 cents a month, dude. Mm-hmm. Like still less than a dollar. Right. I mean, McDonald's doesn't even have a dollar menu anymore, and Impact has given you one hell of a value for 99 cents a month. I like what you did there. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. I love what Impact's doing. Yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, speaking of that, that brings us to the main event. And here's where history is made. At Bound for Glory, there has never been a one-on-one match for the Impact World Championship between two Canadians. There's always been an American and another country involved if it's not an American wrestler versus an American wrestler. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time it's been two Canadians. And I, I brought that point up to Josh Alexander on the Press Pass, which you can go to our podcast and listen to. But that's not the only part of history that was made this is also the first main event for Impact Wrestling where it's two Canadians. So there, there's a little double thing there, which is nice. This was a great match, dude. Great match. And Impact really did a great job building up Josh Alexander's story for this. Quits his main job working in construction while working for Impact Wrestling to pursue wrestling full-time now. Like that's his career now. They made a they made a big deal about that. They had all these mm-hmm. promos and everything was awesome. 
And then they have Christian cut a promo of like a passing the torch type deal. And he says passing the torch. And then he says, I'm not ready to pass it yet. Based off the promos, I already had my idea who was winning. Right. You know, because if, if you remember, that is like a very close thing of Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, the Iron Man match. They show, you know, WWF did these promos of Shawn Michaels doing all these like hardcore training sessions. He's like doing like reverse pull-ups with his feet on the wall on a chin-up bar, but coming down instead of up because he's up above the bar going down. It was absolutely crazy. And then they show Bret Hart like barely jogging. Like he's like super old and it's like working out is like super tough for him because of Mm -hmm. his age. Like they played that angle. And that's kind of what I felt with this a little bit, but in a different sense, not that, you know, Christian's old, Josh is young, but just the, the, the way the storylines were, it just kind of, I just got that vibe again, you know, from the Brett Sean Iron Man match. Right. The match itself was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they did great storytelling in the ring and out of the ring in the ring last night was it was incredible i enjoyed this match um and in a a, i i didn't know what to expect i had a feeling i knew who was going to win deep down I, i i did want christian cage i don't have to be biased so i can say who i wanted to win so i i i wanted christian cage to win just like in the Iron Man match, I wanted Bret Hart to win. Unfortunately, I didn't get what I wanted, which is fine. But I think fans around the world got what they wanted. As Josh Alexander became the new Impact World Champion. Al shaking his head no, and I know why, and we'll tell about it in a second. After, you know, Christian shakes Josh's hand and, and walks out of the ring respectfully Josh's son and his wife come up into the ring and, you know, he gets down on a knee and he he's showing off the championship to his, his son, who I believe is six. Matt Stryker's crying. He's in Matt Stryker says, I'm a new father. And uh, in the promo, Josh had cut saying that his sons view him as their hero. Matt's saying, I now understand that. And, and Matt's full blown crying. And then at this point, D'Lo starts crying. It's a beautiful moment. The, the story that was told of Josh Alexander winning this championship was a very beautiful, heartfelt, touching moment. And within seven seconds, that touching moment came to a crashing end. With his back to one side of the ring, showing the championship off, Moose comes from behind Alexander, cashes in his call your shot cup and defeats Josh Alexander in front of his wife and his son. While they were still in the ring, the ref counted the one, two, three, while the family was in the ring over in the corner because Josh pushed them out of the way. That touching family feel-good moment is now over and destroyed. And, and on commentary, Matt Stryker and D'Lo did a phenomenal job with this story. They were angry at Moose at how this played out. 
the fans were angry that Moose is now your new Impact World Champion. Al, you were shaking your head no. Why were you shaking your head no? Um, I just, it wasn't like a no that I disagreed with it. I was just kind of like, kind of going along with it because like, that was, that was the first time uh, recently, like in recent memory that I can think of that. I actually got caught up in the emotion of the show. Um, you know, Josh Alexander is this homegrown talent that they're building up. His build up to this moment gave me very much so uh, 2013 Daniel Bryan vibes in WWE. Um, you know, that build up to his WWE championship victory. Yeah, his build up was really cool in 2013 for Daniel Bryan. And looking back that you said that, it, it does remind me of the, the Daniel Bryan story. And not so much that Daniel, you know, when Daniel Bryan won the 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 two belts there at mania him with the uh connor for connor's cure after he goes you know up to the up to connor after he wins at wrestlemania with the belts and walks up to the the little kid and that and that was a, a great touching moment and i totally understand on your end you know, com- you know, comparing the two, and, that, and that's how it felt. However, they they put a big plot twist in here. It was like they get you with the heart wrenching moment, and then Moose comes in from behind and stabs you in the back. Right, he absolutely takes away from that moment. But it was it was also really cool to see that Moose finally got his moment too, because he's another talent who. Should have been a world champion a long time ago. And and he wasn't, you know, he had that run when he was using the former TNA World Heavyweight Championship. But obviously, you know, that wasn't the actual world title. So it was it was really cool to see that as well. Anyway, so the reason why this interview with Moose that we had done on Perched on the Top Rope was so important was because Moose actually spoiled the 20-person Call Your Shot gauntlet match but also spoiled that he was going to win the, the impact world championship. He did it in a non subtle manner. And, and what I mean by that is I had asked Moose if he does win the call your shot gauntlet match, if he had a championship in mind and he said, yeah, that it was obvious it was going to be the impact world championship understandable if it if i was in his shoes i would have done the same thing i I would have that's the championship i'd want too so he ends up winning i also end up i also asked asked him what uh match he was looking forward to the most you know or what match he would be watching the most and right away he said josh alexander versus Kristen cage considering the fact that he wants that championship so if you go back and you listen to that interview you will hear in his words because uh, he doesn't say it how I said it. I'm just um, giving you the best off I can off my memory what he said. But he throws those little subtle things in there that help you and make you believe that he's going to win the, ga- the, ga- the Call Your Shot gauntlet match and that he was going to pay attention to the Impact Championship. 
Now, he didn't say he would cash in that night or anything like that, but he did say he was going to watch that match very closely. And very closely meant literally within minutes of the match ending, he called his shot, cashed in, and won and became the Impact Championship. So make sure you go back and listen to that interview so you can hear that. Fans, make sure you go back and go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com, perched on the top rope. All sorts of interviews. You can see me getting chopped very painfully by WWE Hall of Famer, class of 2004, Greg the Hammer Valentine. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. That's usually where we post some fun memes, but we also post a lot of current wrestling news to help you fans stay up to date. If you go to our Instagram and you really like wrestling memes, well, that's going to be for you because there's more memes on there. But we also post photos of us with the talents that we interview and things to that nature. And you can find all sorts of stuff on there. Uh, if you go to our Twitter account, which is Perch Top Rope, our Instagram is also Perch Top Rope. Perch on Top Rope is too long and doesn't fit. So if you go Perch Top Rope on Twitter, uh, we do the same thing. It's a mix of Facebook and Instagram. You get a mix of news. You get a mix of of uh, memes. But we also share other content uh, from other podcasts, from other people like Chris Van Vliet, Sean Ross Sapp, anything that's newsworthy, funny, or just enjoyable for you, the wrestling fans. Make sure you go, you listen to this show and go back and listen to all the other shows anywhere you can find podcasts from apples stitcher google amazon podbean red circle you name it we're on it perched on the top rope fans and remember spoiler freeze the way to be alex todd has already left the building so for myself i am lee walker fans i hope you have a fantastic night mm-hmm.